Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 1, 4 through 14, called, Let All the Angels of God Worship Him. I remember when I grew up and I knew some things about Jesus and stuff, when I heard people say that Jesus was God, it, it kind of confused me at the beginning. And, I, and it, it's hard sometimes to get your bearings and then to understand how could God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. And again, as I said last week, some of these things are beyond my finite mind, but God is infinite. So my finite mind can't grasp everything that's infinite. Amen. I mean, that's just the way it is. So the text should guide us. And the text says, of the son, the father says, in contrast to the angels. So the angels are compared to winds and fire. That's from Psalm 104, verse 4. But the son, in contrast to the angels, is uh, addressed this way. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever And the righteous scepter, which goes back to Psalm 2, he will rule with that rod of iron, is the scepter of his kingdom. You've loved righteousness, you've hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Uh, On Sunday, we looked at Acts 10.38, and we discovered that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he went around doing good. Well, here's some of that language. The oil, uh, the anointing of a king, the anointing of our great high priest, if you will. And clearly, the father calls the son God. Psalm 45 is a wedding song originally describing the king of Israel, but later understood by the rabbis to be about the Messiah. And so there's a contrast between the royal person addressed and his servant companions. And some have seen in this that when Jesus went around In his earthly ministry, he had a ton of joy. You know, sometimes we see depictions of Jesus and we see him as a rather somber, serious guy. But he had his moments, certainly. And he was living in the shadow of the cross, but he was a joyful person. He had the oil of gladness overflowing from him. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy. And Jesus was operating in all the fruits of the Spirit. So if we're going to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, I'm not going to say we're going to be giddy all the time, but we're going to have joy. What is joy? It's a calm delight. It's a calmness and an assurance about life, even when things are not easy in our lives. That's what joy is. Joy is staying calm because you have your eye on the big picture. And so that's what Jesus had. And I think if we would have met Jesus in his earthly ministry, and of course, one day we will be with him forever. Amen? Amen. And we'll get to experience it. Uh, We would have experienced, I think, uh, a man of great joy. Because the Holy Spirit, of course, was uh, moving powerfully in his life. And I think you get the picture. So in verse 10... The subject is still the son and the father addressing the son. Notice what happens next. The father continuing to talk about the son says, and thou Lord, 
In the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the works of thy hands. Now, the Father's been talking about the, the Son and him being on the throne and his joy. And now the Father says that Jesus laid the foundation of the earth and that the heavens are the works of his hands. A further argument that Jesus is God and made everything. This is amazing. I don't think we can say this enough. The baby born in Bethlehem is also the creator of the universe. And Hebrews 1.3, the sustainer of the universe. That to me is an amazing testimony. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, again, all three members of the Trinity were involved in the creation, so don't get confused there. But Jesus Christ is uh, attributed here with setting the foundations of the earth and making everything. Just think about it for a second. Remember the all the questions that God asked of Job in the book of Job? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Who taught God how to make water? Who taught God how to make an eye? Who taught God how to make a circulatory system? How to make a blue whale? An ostrich? Have you seen some of the birds? The long beaks? (laughs) There's some crazy stuff walking around and some even crazier stuff swimming through the sea. Some of which we haven't even discovered yet. Not to mention that Astronomers say that the universe is expanding and there's all these stars out there and they're so huge that it's unbelievable what's out there. Maybe when we get there, we'll get tours, you know, (laughs) around the stars. I don't know what's going to happen, but anyway. Now, what has been made is going to wear out, but not Christ. In fact, Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the immutability of God, if you want a big word, that he's unchanging. God cannot change. That's why Israel was not consumed in the Old Testament. That's why we are here right now. God is faithful. He's the same. He can't change in his his essential nature. Now, some of you say, yeah, but he became a man. He took on the additional nature of humanity. But God in his essential nature stays who he is. He's immutable, unchanging. That's what the book of Hebrews says later on. And what has been made, as awesome as it is, now fallen under the curse, will perish, verse 11. But you remain, thou remainest. They will become old as a garment. This is from Psalm 102, 25 through 27, if you're taking notes. As a mantle, thou will roll them up. As a garment, they will also be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years will not come to an end. God doesn't get old. He doesn't need sleep. And everything that he made, as awesome as it is, and we just described a little bit of it, one day he's going to roll it up like a scroll and he will make new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. But he will stay the same. Uh, Scientists say that what's being mentioned here in the book of Hebrews is the second law of thermodynamics. What's that? That the universe is running downhill, if you will. That there's 
kind of a, an ebb uh, uh, that we're, at one point, we can see that there's decay in the universe, that it's running downhill. Uh, for example, if you don't keep up on your bedroom, uh, you will experience the second law of thermodynamics. Socks will be all over the place. There'll be undone laundry. And it's a good excuse if your spouse ever asks you, what is going on? Why can't you pick that up off the floor? You can just appeal to the second law of thermodynamics. It's just at work. It's a law. What can I do? A comedian was talking about how husbands and wives communicate. And he was saying, you know, my wife never directly tells me things. She puts it in the form of a question. And so sometimes I'll leave my underwear, you know, in the middle of the room. And she'll say to me, she won't say, can you please pick those up? She'll say, are those your underwear? And he responds, I sure hope they are, because if they're not, I have some questions of my own. (laughs) Anyway. You say, are you really appealing to the second law of thermodynamics as an excuse, Pastor Michael? Perhaps. (laughs) Everything's going to wear out. Uh, In fact, you're in the middle of that experience right now as a human. And some of you are younger in the room, so the law... That law has not quite hit you the way it's hit some of the others in the room. We won't mention any birthdays or anything like that. But as much as hard as you try, I'm in my 50s. Some of you are like, yeah, you ain't nothing. Whippersnapper. I get it. I feel you. Don't get angry. <laughs> but here's the thing. We're experiencing it. We're sadly under the curse and... The wages of our sin is death. But here's the good news. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this writer is saying to this little beleaguered church, don't give up because he tasted death for everyone. He's resurrected. He made the world. And yes, he will roll up this current condition of things, but he's going to make everything new, including you. Amen. Amen. And oh, I'm looking forward to a couple of new knees and a lower back that continues to talk to me. Those are just a few areas, but anyway. So he's the same. You never change. Uh, And I'm so grateful because the world is full of change. and, And the change that we experience is not always good. Some change is good, right? But there's been some twists and turns in this life for all of you that have not been great. Uh, You know, that's the one thing that we can bank on, that things won't stay the same in this fallen world, right? Uh, Kids get older. We get older. um, The world goes through what it goes through. But here's the good news. He remains. And the good news is he remains faithful. If you're banking on anything else, it won't last. If you're putting your hope in any temporary fixes, that's all it will be. Temporary. Final two verses. But to which of the angels has he ever said, quoting now Psalm 110 verse 1, if you're taking notes, to which of the angels has he ever said a rhetorical question because the answer is none. Sit at my right hand. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series has to do with our recently broadcast of the Song of Solomon, talking about relationships. And I think if you're a spouse and just one of you or both of you are going through having shame from not doing it God's way, um, that you need to work on that together, not separately, not one spouse who's having the problem going to get the help that they need. But I think together they need to navigate this. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk In Truth's A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Sit at my right hand. That's the place of exaltation and power authority until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Well, he said that to no angels, but he said it to his son. Are they not all ministering spirits now back to the angels in contrast to the son sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Answer, yes. That's what angels are. Ministering spirits under the sympathetic direction of our great high priest who is superior to everything, even the angels. But the angels are in his employ. What does that mean? It means that angels are involved in the church and the life of believers. And if I were to ask you to start lining up and sharing potential angel encounters, we might hear some weird stories, no doubt. But some of you have some some kind of strange stories. And uh, you might wonder, did I ever run into an angel? I'll share one personal one. I, I was a young Christian. I was in my 20s. The senior pastor of the church asked me to share my testimony one Sunday. I went to the pulpit and said to the people, well, I came up here, tried to clean up my life this week so I could share something good with you guys. And I tell you, there was a levity in the audience. They found that really refreshing. Like, all right, I, I tried to live the right way for the last three or four days before I talked to you guys, right? That's where I was at. My, uh, my, Clothing existed of a lineup of bike coaches shorts, which were way too short, and uh, tight t-shirts, which should have been illegal. But anyway, and I, and I stood up there and I shared my testimony. Uh, and you know, I look back then and I only knew what I knew, right? But I knew God's grace was amazing. And I was standing in the foyer of the church and a man who had a red beard uh, said, can I shake your hand? And, and he shook my hand and he said, Thank you for what you shared today. Uh, You can help a lot of people. And he gave me one of those looks like, you know, looked into my soul kind of looks. And he wouldn't release my hand and it was a little bit weird. (laughs) And you can help a lot of people. And he held my hand and then kind of in the melee of many people walking by, you know, he disappeared from view. And I never saw that guy again. I'd been around the church a lot 
even up to that point, he, he wasn't familiar to me and I never saw him again. Now, I have no idea if he was an angel. Uh, some of you are wondering if angels could have red beards. I have no idea. But here's what I'll say. That was kind of life-changing to me because it was right at a moment where I was teetering, you know, what, what did I want to do with my life? I was a new Christian. I was battling, falling to sin way too regularly, even though I knew better. And that, that was a moment. Let me share just a couple stories with you and we'll close it down. One dark night, about 100 years ago, a Scottish missionary couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals intent on taking their lives. That terror-filled night, they fell to their knees and prayed to God that he would protect them. Intermittent with their prayers, the missionaries heard the cries of savages and expected them to come through the door at any moment. But as the sun began to rise, to their astonishment, they found that the natives were retreating into the forest. The couple's hearts soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of that tribe was converted to Christ. As the missionary spoke of them, he remembered the horror of that night, and he asked the chieftain, why he and his men had not killed them. The chief replied, well, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, why, there were no men with us. There was just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him and said, there were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house so that we could not attack you. Norwegian missionary Marie Monson served in North China, and experienced the intervention of angels on several occasions. In her autobiography, A Present Help, published in 1960, she tells how looting soldiers had surrounded the mission compound but never entered, leaving the missionaries unharmed and happily perplexed. A few days later, they learned why the raiders uh, didn't come in and why the compound wasn't attacked. They explained that there was all about the compound, tall soldiers with shining faces on a high roof of the compound. Ms. Morrison said, this unbeliever saw them. It was a testimony to them, but they were invisible to us. It came powerfully to me and showed how me, how, showed me how little we reckon with the Lord, the God of hosts, who sends forth his angels mighty in strength, to do service for the sake of them who will inherit salvation, Hebrews 1.14. Jim Marstaller recounts the following story told by his uncle Clyde, Clyde Taylor, founder of the National Association of Evangelicals. Dr. Clyde Taylor, who married my grandfather's sister, and my uncle Charlie Marstaller were missionaries in the early 1920s to a headhunting tribe in South America. They were beside a river in the forest living in a thatched hut. One day, late in the afternoon, they noticed a dugout being paddled down river with only one man on it. Their immediate thought was that the warriors were coming to kill them that night. The dugout could hold over 40 men, and they realized that the men were probably going to try to kill them that night. Uncle Clyde and Charlie had a twenty-two rifle in their hut. They took it. They took some ammo out into the tall grass off to the side of their dwelling. There they stayed all night in their own private prayer meeting, expecting that if attacked, they would fire the gun into the air and hopefully frighten the headhunters. Nothing happened that night, and they had no trouble with the tribe for the rest of the term in South America. 
They both returned home after their term was over, and it wasn't until nine years later that Clyde was able to visit the field once again. One day he encountered one of the men of the tribe who had since become a Christian. He asked the native about what happened that night. The former headhunter, and whenever you meet one of these, you'd like for them to say, I'm a former headhunter, <laughs> said these words. Quote, I remember that night. There were 44 of us, and we were coming to set fire to your hut. When we got there and surrounded the hut, we realized that we could not attack because there were hundreds of men dressed in white with swords and shields standing all around your hut and even on the roof. Listen to these words. That's why I'm a Christian now, because of what I saw that night. And these stories are pretty amazing. Uncle Clyde realized then that God had protected them with his angels and used this account to be an encouragement to many others throughout the rest of his life. I could share a few more, but I think you guys get the point. Some of us have entertained angels unaware. We'll find later in the book of Hebrews. And God, our our superior high priest is also sympathetic. And one way that he extends mercy and grace to us is through his ministers who are angels. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I know a whole lot about this topic. I only know that the Bible says God uses angels sometimes in our lives to minister to us. just want you to think about that for a second. You're not alone. You're not alone. Because your great high priest has a whole legion of angels, more than we probably know, probably billions of them. And they're in his employ to make sure we get where we need to be. Now, I can't, under, I can't explain every angle of that to you and why some things happen and some don't. But I just know this, that our God has the means and the power to protect us and guide us to that destination. Amen. You've been listening to Let All the Angels of God Worship Him, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 1, Verses 4 through 14. As always, if you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, angels indeed are mysterious and powerful beings. And yet God the Father commands all the angels to worship God the Son. This is yet another example of the deity, emphatically proving the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father's commanding all the angels, not some of the angels, all of them to worship him. And he's asking worship to be given to another, i.e. the Son, which is further proof that Jesus is God second person of the Holy Trinity. Once again, as we've gone through this, we have acknowledged that it's sometimes hard to fully grasp or comprehend three and one, one and three. And yet at the same time, the Bible emphatically teaches it. And I really think that there's no other way to see it. And so with that, 
if you're someone who has grown up in another movement, uh, i.e. Jehovah's Witnesses, or perhaps you grew up in the Latter-day Saint movement, there's really a denial of the unique deity of Jesus Christ in both of those movements, uh, not to mention all the world religions and isms that will deny the unique deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, deny who he is. They may acknowledge a Jesus in quotes, but not the Jesus of the Bible. And really, my friend, you have to have the right Jesus to be saved. Second Corinthians 11 talks about another Jesus and another gospel. Make sure that you've trusted the Jesus of the Bible, the majestic Christ who so loved you, he came to save you. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and we're walking through the incredible book of Hebrews. We've just wrapped up the first chapter right here on Walk in Truth, and I'm so glad you're with us. And we're going to get in next time into the idea of drifting or the danger of drifting. And we'll explore that next time on Walk in Truth. Hey, if you want to find out more about the ministry, remember, you can always go to walkintruth.com to find out more. Walkintruth.com. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast and with the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 2, 2 through 4, called The Danger of Drifting. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.